What's up, guys? The FR Heart 2 Audio Show, where faith and what you do collide. And today with me, I have a special guest, student pastor of First Baptist Snellville, former college athlete, getting a jog bay. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I've been good. What you been up to lately? I know you just moved down here from where? I moved from Longview, Texas, specifically Gilmer, Texas. is a neighborhood outside of Longview, uh, which is East Texas. Um, I am married to Ashley Ajagbe, um, who has been my wife of almost five years, and I have two daughters. Um, my oldest daughter is Ava. She's two years old, and I have a newborn named Mia. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to let you kind of talk about your life growing up. We'll, I'll jump in at certain points, and I kind of just want to see how faith and what you do in your life has really collided and given you purpose on this life. So if you can kind of just tell me how you grew up, where you grew up, your trials, your testimony, because I've heard your testimony, but I want a lot of people to kind of hear it. So For sure. Um, I am from Miami, Florida, born and raised. Um, 18 years, grew up there. I grew up in a Nigerian household, two Nigerian parents, um, Augustine Ajagbe and Ade Tutu Ajagbe. And I have five siblings. Okay. Um, Three brothers, two sisters. And last time I checked, I remember you telling me that your youngest sister is a pretty good track and field athlete. Yes, she is. Okay. Um, she's a Miami Hurricane, University of Miami. Um, she's in her sophomore year, about to go into her junior year. She placed fifth in nationals in the disc, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, um, that is dope. Pretty for dope, sure. man, for real. Um, but, yeah, um, grew up in a Christian home. I remember my dad. Um, sharing the gospel with us from a very young age, reading the Bible to us all the time, um, but also going to church every Sunday. But that didn't really um, capture my heart growing up. Okay. I didn't really have um, a personal relationship with Jesus, but I knew who Jesus was. I could spit Bible verses out, um, out to you. I could. Um, I looked the part, um, went to church with a suit and tie, shook people's hand, looked them in the eye. Um, I was a respectful person. But Jesus wasn't the center of my life. So it's funny you say that. You're saying that you had everything around you saying you were a Christian, but you know deep down inside you weren't. Why do you think that happens in today's day and age? Because I have an answer, but I kind of want to hear what you have to say too. I think the reason why is because um, I think personally is the world where we're taught when we go to church that you have a personal relationship with God just because you go to church and because your family um, holds this belief. But um, I believe, personally for me, the reason why I didn't own it is because nothing in my life outside of Sunday said that I was a Christian. Um, everything else in my life was centered around football. It was centered around relationships. Um, I think we, I think people believe that because maybe our churches are telling us that or maybe our families say because I, I own this faith or my parents own this faith that um, I, I immediately have this faith myself. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, nothing in my life centered around who Jesus was, so I know I wasn't a Christian then. Okay, okay. So as you were going through high school, kind of give me an idea of what was going on in your life and how college football and all that stuff changed you, because I know the story, but, again, it's a great testimony that I think a lot of people should want to hear. Absolutely. Um, so going into my ninth grade year, um, I had a had a huge <laughs> – a huge like um, camp experience uh, with football where uh, my coach Mosey Blake took me to Sunshine Sports Camp, which was our national underclassmen camp um, and, and Sunshine Sports was uh, was there reporting it. And um, I had a really good good camp experience. I ran a four six in the 40. Um, I was 
180 pounds, six foot three. Let's say that big boy moving. <laughs> <laughs> had a had a great had a great experience. Yeah. Uh, and the, the dude from Sunshine Sports was there. He said, "Mark my words. In a week or two, you're gonna get a call from some really big colleges." And um, I had a call from um, University of Central Florida and University of Florida saying that they're interested in me. And from that point on, I knew that I hadn't had the opportunity to possibly go play college football. So I started working harder. Um, so everything, everything around my life was centered around becoming the best football player, working out three or four times a day in the summer, um, even working out during the season on my own time. And then on the off season, running track, wrestling and even playing basketball at some point. And it's funny you say that because I think that sometimes whenever it comes to people finding their purpose or finding a talent, it's like we believe it in our hearts, but sometimes we have to get outsiders or an outside source to kind of tell us, hey, like you're good at this. Like you were saying how you're working out, but when some guy was like, hey, get ready for a call in a couple of weeks, you're like, okay, now it's time to push the pedal to the middle and go even further with it. Yes, absolutely, yeah. His words, um, Mosey Blake's words, um, Coach Johnson's words, Wilbert Johnson, he was my wrestling coach and also my running backs coach. Tommy Mancuso was another running back coach I had. Um, those people were instrumental in, in me knowing that I was actually good at football and I had a chance to play at the next level. And they just they didn't just boost my head up, but they, they made sure they held me accountable to being a good leader, being a servant to others. So they were always on me about – Man, if you're gonna have this talent, you got to put the work in, and they, they they kept me to that. And then I became a soft starter. Like I just did extra stuff. Yeah. Me and my friend Roger Corey always put the work in, and I had a, I had other friends as well um, that were along that came alongside us, like Joseph. Um, and like they just kept made sure that we were, we were working hard and getting right. Um, but yeah, that was football was the center of my life, and but I also had other things in my life that. I was running after. I was always running after different relationships. Yeah, it kind of formed and shaped who I was. Um, I think the thing that I really wanted out of relationships was like this acceptance. Like I just always wanted to feel like, man, I was good enough, and the people thought I was good enough. And no, I feel you. So trying to play football, trying to be good at that, and then acceptance from relationships with, with, with females was something that I, I sought after, um, and that kind of was my direction. You know, I also got into. You know, smoking marijuana and all that stuff. Uh, that's something that I did because I felt like it was cool and, you know, people do that. Um, and then that was kind of my direction in high school. And um, it led all the way up, all the way up to college. When I, when I got my, um, my, my scholarship offer from the University of Florida, um, I, you know, I made a decision that I wouldn't smoke weed anymore. And I still did. I still try to. I still had. I still wanted to have relationships with, with girls and stuff like that. And I still was working hard, but I knew marijuana would keep me, uh, or weed would keep me from um, from from getting to where I need to go and staying where I where stay where I wanted to go. So I stopped doing that, and but I did everything else. I was still um, trying to glorify myself and make myself be known. And then when I got to college, you know, I just continued that whole scene. You know, it was, I was in the club probably three nights a week when I first got there in the summer. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, but I was still working hard in football, and I had a lot of promise, you know, possibly going to play a lot of special teams and um, not be a starter but affect the, affect the, um, the game. But I had a, had a pretty serious shoulder injury going into my freshman um, camp that wasn't only just – it wasn't only, didn't only take me out of my first year but was life-threatening um, so bad that uh, – 
they told me that I probably would have died if I didn't co go to the hospital because of it, or I would have, um, or I wouldn't be able to lose my arm again. And it, it was devastating for me because, like I said, football was the center of my life. Football was everything to me. It was my, it was my God. It was the thing that um, they gave me purpose and allowed me to keep getting up every morning with with a lot of motivation. So when that was taken from me, um, I thought my life was over, and I thought that man, I was worthless, and wow. I started having suicidal thoughts and um, I had tons of high, really high powerful um, medicines like oxycodone and oxycodone and another one, man. I had three medicines that I could take to kind of numb the pain and I would take them in excess. And at the time, that's when my, my now wife was my girlfriend, Ashley. She, um, she saw that I was taking more pills than I needed to and she told my roommate, Tyler Murphy, he said, she said, hey, make sure you give him what he needs. Um, don't, don't let him take those pills on his own because he'll take more than he, he needs. So Ashley was very pivotal in my staying alive because I was trying to kill myself. And it's fun. It's not funny you say that, but I literally was reading a quote the other day and it says power exposes who you are to others, but adversity exposes your attitude towards God. So how do you feel like during this time, how do you feel like your attitude towards God was? My attitude towards God was one of indifference because I grew up in the church. Um, I know who Jesus was, but I didn't think he affected my life. Okay. And there was one point in my life just because of how I was raised that, you know, it didn't seem like Christianity was genuine um, to the people I went to church with and sometimes even in my own family. So I was like, I want nothing to do with this Jesus. If this is what Jesus is, then I'm just going to figure it out my own way. So I didn't have, we, I had, I was indifferent to God and sometimes didn't even care about him. Didn't yeah. have a personal wow. relationship with him. So it was just crazy, you know, because I was trying to kill myself. And um, But around that same time, I met a dude named Kevin Sides who, um, after my, my surgeries, had surgery, had two surgeries um, after I found out what happened to my shoulder. And I met Kevin Sides, and he shared the gospel with me and invited me to Bible studies called at Athletes in Action. Um, we called them Big Monday. And then there was another small group Bible study, and I, went, I started going to those even though I wasn't a Christian, even though I still thought I was worthless, even though I wanted to kill myself. Um, I just started going, and I, I felt a sense of community that was different than what I grew up in. It was yeah. genuine. It was real. There was people that I saw at the club with me um, be there. So I was like, man, I'm accepted, man. I can be who I am here. And it was truly a genuine place to be and, and actually learn about Jesus. And um, I started going there for a month, and then one Wednesday night, Five days before my birthday, um, I was there with five five other people. No, six other people. Five um, five were my teammates, and one of them was a basketball player. And um, I basically were, were just sitting around the circle, and we're having discussion about Jesus and integrity. And um, Kevin was asking questions about man what that looked like in a man's life, and and then he kind of shifts the conversation to. Hey, there's some people in the room that say they love Jesus, but their lives don't look like it. There's some people that say that um, that some people say that Jesus is everything in their life, but they're sleeping with their girlfriend. And at that time, and I was I was doing that. I was living a double life. I was living with um, my now wife, but my girlfriend then, and then we were sleeping together. We were not walking with Jesus. We were doing things wrong. So it convicted me. It cut me to the heart. And um, I felt like I needed to have a conversation with him. So I pulled him to the side after the, 
the meeting, I was like, hey, bro, like, I feel like you were talking about me. And he was like, nah, I was talking about all these other dudes, but since you brought it up, let's talk about it. Nice. So I was like, man, I got myself <laughs> in trouble. Good job, Gid. But um, that conversation led to him taking me home after everybody else left. And I just felt compelled in the car to share with him. I was like, man, I can just be real with this dude, man. I can share my whole life. And I shared my life with him, and um, and I just shared it for like five or seven minutes. And he didn't say a single word. He just listened to me. And then we got in front of my dorm, and he listened to me a little bit longer. And then he pulled out his Bible, and he opened his Bible to James 1. Um, and the verses 19 through 25, he basically reads, I'm not going to say everything. He says, don't be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word because the doers of the word will be blessed. And for the first time in my life, I realized for 18 years of my life, I've always been a hearer of the word. And that I, and the reason why I've always been a hearer of the word and not a doer is because I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. There was nothing in me that wanted to do what Jesus told me to do yeah. because I didn't know him. Right. I knew about him. Right. I can no, tell, yeah. tell you all the, yeah. every, every fact about Jesus, but I didn't know him personally. And I didn't even pray a prayer. I told you, I was like, I didn't even pray a prayer. It was just like a moment where my eyes were closed. I was in darkness. I was running after girls and fame. Um, and then for all of a sudden, I realized that my purpose of life was to be, uh, was to follow Jesus, was to live the way that he lived and to, and, and that I finally believed the message that I was always taught my whole life, that it's my dad. Yeah, yeah, so I was reading, I've been reading The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, and he says in there, in the first chapter, he says, just because you become successful at something doesn't necessarily mean it's your purpose. And so you going through high school, you're getting the offers. Because how many offers did you have? I had over 60 offers. Right. So you might have said, hey, I'm living God's purpose. But it was like that moment really took you to a point where you really understood like, hey, I haven't been living right. Hey, I haven't been doing this right. But now I really am starting to understand that I need to be living to God living for God for my best ability for his glory. So that's that's good for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure, man. And, man, God really did work because, man, my eyes were opened. Um, I realized that I needed to start following Jesus. And I just started, like, my desires changed. Like, I tell people that I left that. I, I entered the car spiritually dead, lost, broken, and I left the car spiritually alive with with um, my purpose set, knowing who I was and what my where I was on the I was on the word, um, I was uh, why I was on the earth for, right. and what God had, had called me to, and it went on in a weird way either. It was just like no, like I understand that my purpose in life was way more than just my sport or about how many girls I mess with and how many girls that I've been with or, um, whatever the case is. You and know? it goes back to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven because. We hear that God says that he has plans for us to prosper. And I remember my cousin, I mentioned it all the time. He said that his pastor said, is an orange tree a failure if it can't grow lemons? And the first thing everybody would say, no, because that's not what it's designed to do. And so sometimes, and I played college football too, I understand it. Sometimes we go, okay, maybe if I trained a little bit harder, I can get my dreams. Maybe if I worked out a little bit more, I can get my dreams. Maybe if I ate a little bit better, I'll get my dreams. But sometimes there comes a point in your life where you kind of got to realize, like, God's trying to tell you, like, hey, you're not failing at this. This just isn't what I designed you for. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the big things that I understood coming out of college. And we've talked before that you understood that it's like sometimes failing isn't really failure. It's just that you're not designed to do that. It's like Thomas Edison said he didn't fail 3000 times trying to make the light bulb or whatever number of times it is. He just figured out that many 
times that that's not how you make a light bulb. That's true. So it's one of those things where it's like understanding your purpose in those situations. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because fast forward, um, became a follower of Jesus. Jesus yeah. opened my eyes. My life was completely different. Um, and um, I, 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 even though I wasn't perfect, and I'm still not perfect now, if you know me, anybody knows me closely, I still make mistakes. I'm a, I'm a sinner. But God has saved me. I'm saved by his grace. And I'm still growing. I'm on a journey. And um, for four and a half years, I was discipled by the same guy that led me to Jesus, yeah. Kevin Sides. And he is pivotal for who I am today. And Kevin, I, if you wa- we hope that you watch this. Hope so you can, watch this, bro. So you can get a little bit of props here. Yeah, you're the man. Um, but, yeah, like Kevin discipled me for, for four and a half years in college. And um, it, it all came to a head where, I, where you're talking about purpose and finding out where your purpose is. Like, I, I I finally figured out what God made me to do going um, into my fifth year at the University of Florida. And um, I went to a summer retreat, which was sponsored by Athletes in Action. And I was asked to emcee the event. And if anybody knows me, I'm an introvert by nature. Like, I, I'm more to myself. I don't like to be on the spotlight. I like to be in the background. I like to see other people succeed. I like to see other people happy. That is what, that's how I am naturally. Um, so when he asked me to be the MC, it, it, it welled up a lot of anxiety in me. And it's funny because at first I was like, man, I don't know why I'm doing this. I was freaking out. And, but God used that, that weekend to really show me that, that my purpose was to be in full-time ministry. And this is yeah. what I mean. Um, God, other people, most people that go into full-time ministry because they're gifted speakers and they're, they know how to handle the word of truth well, and they can do all these things really well. Um, but for me personally, um, God, I felt like God was telling me that your your call to ministry is out of your weakness, um, because mm-hmm. you're not because you feel like you're inadequate is the very thing that you need to be um, to fulfill the purposes that God that I've called you to. That you would um, that you would depend on me every single step of the way in your communication in your leadership to people, and everything that you do needs to be connected to me, and not in your own strength. But if you, you do anything good in your communication or and how you lead people and how you lead people to Jesus, it's because I did it, and you will know that I did it. And it's funny, um, another book that I just got done reading is Business for the Glory of God by Wayne Grudem, and he has a chapter in there talking about um, work and stewardship, and he says that First Peter 4.10 talks about that, we have to be good stewards of what the Lord gives us. And it's one of those things where it's like, we have to understand it's not our money. It's not our time. It's not our body. It's his. So at the end of the day, you have to remember like you're, this is not your own doing again. This is you using the things that God has given you to do everything to build his kingdom. So that, that's, that's a great point that you had right there. Yeah, man, For sure. So yeah, yeah. God changed my heart, changed my mind there. Uh, I knew I was called to ministry from that moment, even though it was completely different than how I've ever heard it be done before. And um, I just shifted my gears. I was trying to become an athletic director at that point. I was actually starting my master's degree, and I did start my master's degree in sports management, but ended up not finishing in that degree program and getting married to my wife, Ashley, on December um, 13, 2014. And then we moved to Charleston, South Carolina shortly after where um, I continued to start, I continued to um, work out for the NFL and work a job at Haverty's Furniture, Furniture Store, where I worked there for a year. And then um, through working that job and through working out, um, God made it very clear that the NFL was not <laughs> was not the, was yeah, not the, yeah, the yeah, move for, sure. for your yeah. boy. And uh, tried out with the Buccaneers and um, 
did not make the team, um, clearly. Um, they were – it was 53 of us and one dude signed. Um, and I think his and name that's is what, And that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand that, like – because I went through the process, too. I didn't get a chance to go to rookie minicamp like you did. But people don't understand. Like, people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to rookie minicamp. And if you play football, you understand, like, there's 50, 60, 70 guys out there. And they're only going to sign three of them. But a lot of people see, ooh, rookie minicamp, this guy's getting paid a whole lot of money. And they don't know that, like, all you leave when you go out the door is with, like, the team shorts, team yeah. T-shirt, team yeah. hat. That's literally all I got. Right, I <laughs> exactly. That's you what I'm my, saying. You come like, to my house right now, I got uh Under Armour shirt. I got Buccaneers pants. I got a visor. And right. they didn't even give me the jersey. Right. But, um, yeah, man, yeah, that's all you leave with. And you don't get paid until you play a game. Right. I, unless, I you think, have a, unless you have a sign-in bonus that they sign you with. Right, and you only get that if you're dra- – I think that's the main part that a lot of people don't understand. They just hear, oh, this guy's working out for the NFL. And it's like people don't understand, like, you really only get paid if you play in the games. And you really only get paid, like, consistently if you've shown you've been able to play. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a lot of friends who go in and out of the league. And it's like people don't understand, like, you're not making, like, a whole lot of money doing that. So, but anyway, I want to learn. I want to hear more of your testimony. So, found out that NFL wasn't for you. Working at Haverty's. So then what happens after that? Um, after I came home, I cried like a baby. Yeah. Cried like a baby. And I had to um, face the hard reality that if I could continue to try to go to try to go to different team and team hop um, while my wife was still at school in nursing school or make the hard decision and say, listen, you have a job. Um, I've called you first to love your wife, to serve her, to sacrifice for her. And um, I had to face the music and say, listen, this ain't the move no more. God has made it clear. One person got signed out of 53 that, that got invited. It's most likely going to be like that everywhere I go. And so why do you think for, like, guys who are training for the league, for the NBA, for the MLB, why do you think it's hard for them, us included, to just give it up? I think personally it is is because what happens is, like, people don't understand that Starting rookie salary in the NFL is $460,000. Like, if in the real world, if you make $200,000, like, that's an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is we go through, we see the articles, we see people talking about us, we meet the scouts. And so all of a sudden it's like, this is what I want my life to be. Like, I'm going to have this house. I'm going to have this car. Like, I'm going to have this this woman that I care about. I'm going to have these kids, like... And then when it's done, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to do this if I want to. And then all of a sudden it's like all of that stuff almost gets erased because it's like part eight, like the first step didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the hardest thing. What do you think about that? I think it goes back to what happened to me when I was 18. Because if I didn't become a Christian at 18 and that happened to me, I probably would have ended it all because all my eggs were in that basket. Yeah. So let's say nothing that happened, the spiritual conversion that happened to me at 18 did not happen. Um, I would have held on to that dream and kept on going. Right. And something would have imploded. I would have imploded or my marriage would have imploded. Something would have imploded because that would have still been number one. Right. Um, So I think the thing that made it different for me was that I had a new identity in Christ. Like Jesus became all. And because he came all, it was it wasn't easy because I again I asked my wife. I cried for a week. I came home from work, took my tie off, 
I had a chair. We had a chair in our room, in our bedroom, and I knelt down there and I sobbed. I put my yeah. music on and I sobbed for an hour every day when I got home. And then I, I took it off, took my, my my headphones off, and I ate dinner. And I just was moping around for a whole week, and I grieved it. I grieved it. I buried it, and I said, "Listen, if this is gonna die. It's gonna die hard." And I let it die. And then after that week, I had a new perspective because I worked through the emotions of saying, "Like, man, this was my this was my baby. Like, football yeah. was my baby. It was my first love. I gave my heart to it." Um, anybody that knows who I who I was in high school, f- football was number one. I literally worked out four days a week. Yeah, four, four times a day sometimes. And um, four to five days a week in the off season to prepare for the season. So like it was everything to me. It was what got me to college. Is what allowed me to graduate because I wasn't. I didn't have the best grades, and so it was everything to me. And for me to let it go like that was hard, but it birthed it birthed something better. So yeah, um, it birthed something better in me. Um, a, after that week of crying and knowing that football was over, and I gave it up. Um, a month later, I met two gentlemen on a, it was a regular day for me. I was just going to an outreach event after work yeah. um, at, at a park in Charleston that was in a neighborhood. And it was a church named New Beginnings Baptist Church that um, was there helping our church, Awaken Church in Charleston Okay. Um, with an outreach event. And there was on, it was New Beginnings mission, missioncation trip. They called it missioncation. It was their mission trip and they were serving us. And I was there just hanging out with kids that were in our student ministry. I was a volunteer and um in awaken youth and um i was just regular wednesday yeah i just do this every wednesday and uh, i was just hanging out and uh, i was playing football with some kids from from charleston and also from texas had no idea i thought everybody was from charleston <laughs> they didn't even know that this church right. from yeah, texas no, no, was I got there. You. yeah i got you so i'm just hanging out having a good time and I, every almost every kid on my team was from from texas had no idea playing with them and after the game um, some guy comes up to me and says, hey, thank you so much for letting our students and our kids feel very comfortable and play, play football with you. And I was like, hey, man, no problem. He's like, man, let me know a little bit more about you. So shared my shared who I was, shared my story with him, not knowing that he was the lead pastor of the church. Oh, wow. <laughs> that I was talking to. And, yeah. he, and he was like, hey, man, it was nice talking to you. And then I walked off and hung out with a group of kids by the tennis courts. And um, we're sitting on a picnic bench. It was like 10 of us were just talking. And then another pastor um, named John came up, and he pulled me out. And he was like, listen, there's, um, man, we, how, about, how about student ministry? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What, how about, what about right, student yeah, ministry? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, come here. Let's talk about it. So he pulled me out of the conversation with a group of kids. And um, he said, man, we have a student pastor position that we're trying to fill at our church. And we think you'll be perfect for it. We yeah. think you're the guy. We think that you would be the perfect fit for this new campus birth that we're, that we're um, beginning. And we think you'll be the student guy, with the best student guy for it. So I was shocked because I was like, this is a God moment. I know I'm called to ministry a year earlier. God called me to ministry. Right. Tried out for NFL. Yeah. Didn't work. Right. Working this job. And then... I'm not looking for work. This is a routine day for me. This is what I do every right, Wednesday. Exactly. I do yeah. Wednesday, I serve, and then these two guys out of nowhere invite, are literally offering me a, a position. Yeah, and that's awesome. It was a big deal, and I went home, and my wife was studying for her nursing exam, and she was like, "I told us, I mean, these two guys came up to me and they offered me a, a student pastor position. What do you think?" And she was like, "If God is leading us, let's do it." Yeah. And that's all I needed to hear. When she said that, I was like, we're going to move. Right. So then, and then talk about that for me, because a lot of times, like, 
a lot of times, do you think if Ashley would have said no, do you think it would have, what factor do you think that would have played in your decision? I would have gone. Okay. There's no way I would have gone because it was a our first year of marriage and I trust her, I trust the spirit of God in her enough where I would hear what she says and she'd be like, listen, if I don't think that's the right fit for us, we need to need to tread slowly I would have either treaded slowly or if she said no I would have I would have said I really appreciate it even though I feel I'm honored I, I, I'm not gonna move forward with you guys I would have did that okay and I think she knew that yeah I think that's why she said yes. yeah <laughs> but yeah okay and then so you start in ministry as the student pastor of New Beginnings did you face any challenges did you face any because I know I know that's hard that's hard for anybody because we know firsthand that Whenever you get into ministry, first off, the job description may look like this, and then you see the paper kind of in the cartoon uh-huh. kind of flow, and it becomes a little bit longer. But what were the trials and stuff that you kind of face, whether it be organizationally or, like, personally? Everything, all okay. of the above. Because if anybody knows me, I'm not the most organized person in the world. Right. Um, again, as I said, I wasn't called to ministry in my strength. I was called to ministry in my weakness. So, literally, I'm on ground zero. Right. All I had was my testimony. Yeah. I had no theological training. I had no communication skills as far as large group public speaking skills. Right now, I got you. Um, I was, I, I read the Bible enough to that point where I knew, I was very familiar with the whole Bible, but I didn't know all the terminologies and how to, and I still don't know everything, but like I didn't know everything. I didn't no, know anything. Yeah, yeah, I didn't no, know I anything. Got you for I sure, was literally for sure. green. Yeah, I was yeah, green. Yeah. yeah. And um, I walked into that position at a deficit. Okay. They they took a risk taking me. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate New Beginnings. I love you guys, Pastor Todd, Pastor Connor, all the staff. Thank you for what y'all did for me and allowed me to, to work there for three years. Um, but, yeah, man, like I literally I had tons of challenges. I remember um, my first – I'm going to be very honest. My first um, Wednesday night there, I was asked to do the announcements, and I forgot them. <laughs> and I freaked out, and I was like, "Okay, roll, roll the video." And, yeah, and I and that was my experience. I remember my first sermon. I had thirty, I had six pages of notes, thirty about thirty minutes of, of right. talking time. Yeah, I, I I finished my sermon in ten minutes because I literally read word for word. Yeah, and I can. Notes. Yeah, and people don't always understand. Like, I remember the first time because I um, speak to kids over at South Gwinnett. I remember the first time I went over there. Like, I had all this stuff planned out. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to take about 10, 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden I start going through and I'm flying and I look down at my watch. I'm like, okay, six minutes. Good talk. And it's yeah. like one of those things where it's like when you get antsy, you can't really just flow and be relaxed. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I know personally, I've seen you speak before, that you definitely have gotten over that point yeah. in your career. So yeah, I appreciate that. But, yeah, that was the challenges, leading, leading other adults. I'm 23, 23 years old when I got there, 24. 24 years old. Um I'm brand new to ministry. I'm leading a group of kids that don't really know who I am. I'm socially awkward <laughs> and I'm introverted. So every every new space I walked into, everybody knew I was struggling. Right. Um, there was one leader who I love, Micah. I love you. I'm not I'm not throwing shade on you. I want people to know who you are for a good thing. He he didn't believe in me. He said, "Man, this dude ain't gonna make it." <laughs> and um, and somebody called him out and said, "Man, how about you help him?" Oh, wow. If you think he's not going to make it, how wow. about you help him? And he came up to me. He became one of my best friends. That's dope. And one of the true tellers on my team that helped me develop. And um, 
so yeah, so yeah, I had many challenges and um, many, many challenges, leading people, leading teams, leading adults, um, having hard conversations. Again, I'm scared of my own shadow. So yeah, I was about to say, having, yeah. having a hard conversation with somebody that you don't know and they barely trust you is really difficult. And these are all things that help me grow. Um, I believe this, and you know this because you know this dude. I'm not trying to throw Crawford Loritz <laughs> right. had a book uh, called Leadership as an Identity, and he says that leadership as leaders in a church or leaders in, as in Christian ministry or leaders, period, um, our leadership should help us grow in our walk with Jesus. It's, di- it's directly connected. Um, there's a gap between who God has called you to be and who you are now. And I viewed every step of the way as growth spiritually right. for me. So yeah. um, every time I messed up, I used it as, okay, it's a, it's, I'm not done. I'm not down and out. It's just a lesson learned. I just got to learn from this. And it made me work harder. I started working on my communication skills. I would go home and watch 20 videos on how to communicate. And I just started practicing <laughs> in the mirror yeah. and I got better. And um, I started reading books on leadership on how to lead my home better and how to um, lead a team better. And I started researching all kind of leadership models and all that stuff. And I just started implementing those things because I wasn't, I didn't have anything. Right. So my deficit actually made me a better um, student of being a better leader, pastor, friend, husband. Um, I was also challenges at home because I wanted to be so good at in ministry that there was times where it was hard for hard on, on my marriage with, with Ashley. And we had a lot of hard conversations about me managing my home so much that I had to read a book called Four Pillars of a Man's Heart and had to learn how to become a warrior leader. Right. And that book was centered around helping men be balanced and have four pillars that held them up that that helped them hold up hold up their own lives and hold up their families. So there was tons of things that that leadership as a pastor has revealed to me and I believe my call to ministry is the very reason why I'm a I'm a better Christian. Okay. Because um, it, it revealed a lot of weaknesses in me. It revealed a lot of brokenness in me. And God used all of those things to make me more and more like him. And it's funny. that it, it's. And when I say it's funny, I'm, I'm basically saying it's ironic because I know that when I first got on staff here that I read my Bible every day. I know the word of God. I have a strong faith in Jesus Christ. But it's like when you have, like you said, like there are things that are broken in people's lives. And I know personally for me when I got on staff here, one of the biggest things that I got not nervous about was I was like, what if somebody walking down the street calls me out and says, well, do you know what this says in the Bible or do you know what that says in the Bible? And I say no. As somebody on staff, it almost makes you look like you're not suitable to be on staff or it doesn't make you look like you're as committed. So like you said, like when I got on staff here, the first thing I did is I was like, OK, I got to start reading more. I got to start really dissecting the word of God, because at the end of the day, if God has given you a opportunity to work in a church, you have to understand, like, that's an important position. And so with that being said, I really understood that you've got to know things that other people don't know, because your job is to really get the message out to the believers and non-believers. Yes, absolutely. Um, I will say this, and, and people may think I'm weird, but I know this is why God's called me to it. Because I believe my call to ministry is directly hand-in-hand um, hand with my development as a, as a person, as a Christian, as a f- husband, as a father. Um, because of my, my, um, my call to ministry and me being in leadership, I have to live out the things that 
that I preach to people. Right. I have to live it out first. Yeah. So it challenges me to look at the truths of the Bible and say, okay, Gideon, if you're not walking this out, then you need to start today. Um, and it's made me better. You can ask my wife. I'm not a perfect dude, but over the last 10 years that I've known her, nine and a half, 10 years, I am a better person because of my walk with Jesus. Um, I'm a better friend. I'm a better everything. And it's because I've had to face my shadow. I've had to confess that I'm not there yet, that I'm that there's things in my life, even to this day, that I need to let go of, and I need to hold on to what Christ has called me to do. So, And it's like that saying we hear, practice what you preach. My grandpa always said, you should flip it, and you should preach what you practice. And you're saying, hey, I'm not a... I'm not perfect. I'm not I'm not just a angel child. Like there's a lot of things going on in my life, but at the same time I'm still trying to get better. And so now you're able to and I've seen you do it. Now you're able to preach to high school and middle school kids and say, "Hey, like stuff's not always going to go right in your life. Like you're going to have your downfalls, but at the end of the day, it's not about falling. It's about getting up and overcoming those trials." Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so then three years later, you get a call from somebody and kind of tell me how that goes. <laughs> so um, last summer, 2018 summer, I got a call from a dude named Trent Peacock. Shout out to Trent. Shout out to Trent. Um, he called me and he's like, hey, we're looking for a student pastor here at First Baptist Snellville in Snellville, Georgia, which is outside of Atlanta. And to be honest with you, we went through the process. We talked for about a day or two and I was like bruh nah man <laughs> nah I'm not doing this <laughs> and um so yeah I said no to him and but he was a great dude and I felt like it was a great opportunity but I just didn't feel like it was for me or my family in the moment um but a little bit later on after that my wife and I continued to talk and you know we just got pregnant and um my wife started talking about man our family being closer to our family specifically being closer to our our family as a yeah. whole, our, our extended family, and that our daughters would know our um, their grandparents and their aunts and their uncles, and they would have deep relationships with them. And um, as we started exploring that, our hearts started to shift, and it was really hard for me because I love Gilmer. Um, everybody that's listening here, everybody that will listen to this, man, Gilmer was a instrumental part of my walk with Jesus. Um, I'm a better everything because of Gilmer, Texas and New Beginnings Baptist Church. And um, it was really hard. It's still really hard because I love my students. I love my leaders. I love the church. I love the community. I love the football team and the coaches and the school and the principals. Everybody there has has shaped me and made me a better person. And it was really hard to to shift and say, listen, like, we need to move on. Um, And um, because of that, we, we, we started seeking a place closer to home and didn't ever think First Baptist Nova will ever call me again, but they did in <laughs> yeah. 2019 in January. And they said, we still haven't found anybody. Or is you, are you in a different place? And Trent, Trent, Trent called me back and asked that. And I was like, man, actually we are in a different place. That's awesome. You know, yeah. um, there's been a shift in our, in our, our thinking and where we need to be. And we, we we're, we'll enter into the process with, with y'all. That's and um, through that, man, we had a great, um, interview process again came and visited and um in may of, of this year um i left my position at new beginnings baptist church gilmer campus as a student pastor which was really difficult again uh, i love shout out to the students there i love y'all miss you guys um and i made the descent down to atlanta yeah. 10 hours east <laughs> um in my silverado and i got here and 
hit the ground running. Yeah. And um, got to meet Freddie, Mary, um, and the team. And y- y'all have been awesome. Yeah. Y'all have been That's great. That's dope. That's dope. So, to end it off, what I like to do is I like to give the person – a chance to talk about their scripture and just a little bit of motivation that you can leave to anybody who watches this, who sees, cause you, you've had a lot of ups and downs in life, but you're yeah. at a happy place as you're in at this point in your life. And I think a lot of times we see people on staff at churches or, and sometimes they're, that's the thing I love about you guys. That's the thing I love about first Baptist. It's a lot of people are just open. And so what's one scripture you can give to uh, people watching and what's one scripture you can you live by so yeah. two one you can give people watching to motivate them and then one that you live by um one to motivate y'all is proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths um that scripture has been a life verse for me in a sense in the sense of even before i was a christian my dad always used to tell us that verse to remember it to keep it in our heart and to live by it and the reason why i say that is um, there's going to be many things in life that's going to be challenging, but if you trust that God is in control um, and that if you follow what he says, um, he will make your path straight. He'll tell you what you need to do. He'll show you where you need to go. Um, it, is, it will be pivotal, it, even more to the Christian, because that is where our whole faith is based on. It's right. not yeah. trusting ourselves, but trusting God. 100%. Completely trusting Jesus. Um, trusting Jesus um, with with your whole life. And then for me personally, a, a verse that I hold on to that has helped me through my journey is, um, is first is not first is Samuel song, not Samuel Psalms 139, 14, um, you, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, because I'm an introvert, because I am, um, socially awkward. I just want to be real and let people know that because I struggle with those things. I struggle with who I am internally a lot, I have to remind myself that my worth and my value is not determined by me or anybody else, but is determined by God because I'm made in his image and his likeness and that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, meaning that every single human being, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, white, black, Jewish, um, whatever category you want to put yourself in, is fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you with a purpose, with a plan. Mm. He um, that you have dignity and value that you don't even that you can't even um, even fathom or even understand. But God has placed that on you. So, whenever I feel down, whenever I feel like I didn't do a good job leading, I have to also remember that God says I don't determine your worth by what you do or right. how well you do it. Yeah. I determine your worth by the fact that I made you and that I love you and that I desire to have a relationship with you. And that is for every single person that's ever walked on, this, on the face of this planet. So I hold on to that personally because I do have bad days and I do struggle with, am I doing a good job? Or am I, uh, do people understand what I'm trying to accomplish? And do people want to follow my lead? And whenever I get down in the dumps, it's not about how well I do it, even though that is very important. It's the fact that God says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that he has me in his hands and he loves me and there's nothing I can do to ever be less than who he's made me to be in that I have infinite worth and value before him and everybody else does too. That's a human. Well, Gideon, I appreciate this. Um, let everybody know where they can find you on your social. Yes. Um, on Instagram is Gideon Ajagbe, um, Gideon.Ajagbe. Um, and then obviously Facebook, Gideon Ajagbe as well. Um, and just follow me. 
send a friend request. I will accept your, your friend request. And um, looking forward to getting to know you. DM me. Um, comment on anything I've done. Ask questions. I'm an open book. Love to share my life with you. Well, guys, we just want to. I just want to thank you again for this. And remember, we want to try to take people's voices who deserve to be heard, and scale them and let the whole world hear them. So, if you found that this episode gave you value in some way, shape, or form, we'd really appreciate if you could share it on your social. If you could share it on Spotify in some way, shape, or form. If you can text your friends, we just want to. The goal of this podcast on the FR Hard Two Audio Show is to make voices that deserve to be heard. Let them be heard by many people. So with that being said, hope you have a great day and God bless.